0: Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Got a really special one for you today. I was recently invited to go on the Rugby League Lounge podcast. Uh, Luke's the owner of this podcast. He is a sensational fella. I absolutely loved having a chat with him. And I've been on a lot of podcasts, but this was one of my favourites, if not my favourite. Uh, we had a really fantastic chat about the positions in rugby league and how it's changed over time and how it's changed over the last 18 months in particular and the way we see it moving forward. Uh, I know Luke, he follows my content pretty closely. He knew a lot of things that I'd said in the past uh, and I really appreciate that and he obviously catered a lot of our topics towards stuff that he knew interest me which is sensational so a lot of me blabbering on and talking through here uh, but it was weird sitting in the old interview chair Uh, normally I'm the guy interviewing uh, to be interviewed it was sensational Uh, I I probably blubbered on a little bit too much to be perfectly honest with you Uh, but we got into some really in-depth chats and a lot of stuff that you guys could have potentially heard me say previously but a lot of new stuff as well and there was a few times where Luke really put questions to me that really made me think about the game differently to how I have in the past, so really enjoyed this one, I highly advise you get around him, if you go on Instagram, the Rugby League Lounge, you can see Luke's page there, he's doing sensational things, got his podcast as well, Rugby League Lounge, so check it all out, let's
1: kick it off. Team. Welcome to another edition of the Rugby League Lounge Weekly Show. And once again, I'm very privileged to have a guest. And I have got Nathan, who is more, well, more known as being called the Rugby League Guru. Nathan, how are you going on today, mate? Mate, all going well. Thanks for having me on. I've uh,
0: been keeping a pretty close eye on everything you're doing on Instagram and whatnot. Mate, you seem to be flying. Enjoying it?
1: Yeah, very much enjoying it. It's been kind of something that I've been thinking about for a while. And I've um, been happy with the decision to pursue the... The passion and I must I talked to you off, yeah. I've really appreciated the bit of the feedback and responses you're giving me, and obviously today. So I really appreciate your work, and yeah, very stoked to have you on today. Um, and before I'm assuming a lot of my listeners are going to and viewers are going to know who you are, but basically, let's just start off with who is the rugby league guru, mate. Uh, name's Nathan,
0: as you mentioned. Uh, just been a rugby league fanatic. All my life, essentially, uh, you know, played when I was younger, wasn't too crash hot, always enjoyed more so the coaching side, the analysis sort of side about it, you know, just sitting around talking footy with people that are, you know, with smarter footy brains than me, essentially, uh, you know, I probably stopped playing when I was about 16 or so, I uh, was probably in the best interest of me, my body and everything, uh, but I've always enjoyed playing touch, I was tagged, all my mates are just rugby league fanatics, I've got a team that I coach now, uh, under 16s team in in South Sydney. Uh just love doing that, mate. I absolutely love it. And the page obviously kicked off about three years ago. Um sort of started as a super coach page just to take the piss out of one of my mates. I was trying to lure him into asking me questions and then I'm trying spring it on him when we went on our draft weekend and whatnot. And I don't know, just picked up a thousand followers quickly and then I thought oh there might be something in this. Then it got to twenty thousand, thirty thousand, then I thought oh no, I, I, I think this podcasting is, is going to be something over the next few years. So dove into the podcast and, mate, I've absolutely loved it. COVID last year, um, I'm a teacher myself, so I was at home a lot, so I had a lot of time to do it. And it's uh yeah, it's just gone from strength to strength, mate, and I absolutely love it. I'm slowly starting to turn talking into footy, into my job. So it's uh it's been awesome, mate. I'm absolutely loving it.
1: It's awesome. Yeah, I've probably been following you for... Oh, it would be around about that 12 month mark and obviously you well into your podcasting form then but it's cool that you are able to kind of adapt with the times and you know, transition and see that's where things were going and yeah, it's funny how it just kind of was a bit of a bit of a laugh at first you and your mate and see how things have turned out I'm really, really stoked for you and I think a lot of us footy fans are to the, the content you provide us and one of the main re- actually the main reason I reached out there um, Nathan is that a lot of the content that I enjoy from Nathan is based around this idea of position, positioning and the roster construction. Now, what I mean by this is, from the podcast that stuck out for me with Nathan was talking about JT and blowing up. Uh, I shouldn't say he was blowing up, but he was pretty passionate about... Kind of blowing up, let's be honest here. <laughs> <laughs> he was blowing up, yeah. He's the best prop in the NRL rather than the best for team in the NRL. And before we kind of get more into that later, basically that way he got onto it is the game is changing and so is the way we're looking at positions. So today we're going to focus on each position in a row and how they have changed and kind of the ideal prototype or, or body yeah, player for that set position and how how one position Mould might affect the next Like We'll get into the kind of half combination later So yeah, we're going to get straight into um, The the ideal Fullback in today's game I think it's the position That any of the positions Is the one that's been looked at the most in recent years And it's been the most obvious Changes that's been made And a lot of it's been the Billy Slaters Has been, you know, dubbed as the person That has changed this um, How do you see the Ideal fullback in today's game um, Guru Mate, we obviously talk about
0: Billy Slater As being the man that changed the position For me, I think it started a lot earlier than that I think guys like Carmichael Hunt The way that he burst onto the scene he He had just this Unbelievable ability just to peel off A two on three every single time He had the kicking game, the passing game um, you know, but before him you had Darren Locker, who I reckon was the next closest, you know, but before those guys the best fullback was Anthony Minocello and he didn't really have that passing game. He sorta of, he sort of changed the game in his own way. Like he used to if you watch those old footy games you see you see teams kick down and the and the fullback or the winger returns and you would tend to only have like a five man line just to the edge the ball was kicked to. And, mate, Anthony Minocello, he changed that completely. It meant that you had to have, all of a sudden, a 10-man line because he'd bounce off four blokes and go Mm -hmm. from the sideline to under the sticks. And, like, he was just incredible the way that he started that transition. It meant that no one could be lazy on the field anymore. It changed kick chase forever because you couldn't let Minocello run. And then, as I said, Carmichael Hunter merged his passing game. He started to change the game. And then he left the game. And all of a sudden, Billy Slater burst onto the scene. and. I think this is what we don't remember, that, of course, Carmichael Hunt, I mean, he, he was keeping Billy Slater out of state of origin. They moved Slater to the bench in origin for Carmichael Hunt. That's how effective I was. And, you know, Billy Slater's the guy that we look at who transitioned. I think there was guys before him. But all the players that have come since, they have just got this this unbelievable passing game. Like, I'm not sure where a Minocello would play nowadays, to be honest with you. If you put him in with his skill set from back then... I don't think he would be as effective now, and that's nothing against Minocello. That's just the way the game has changed. But 15 years ago, I mean, he was a golden boot winner, you know. It, it's crazy how it's gone, and you look at, like, for for me, pr- probably a perfect fullback, which we'll touch on, probably James Tedesco, just the way that he pushes up through the middle on every single play. I just think he's unreal. Clint Gutherson's very similar. Um, you've got guys like Tom Svojevic. I mean, what we saw the other day from him... I don't know if I've ever seen a better individual performance from a player. That was unbelievable from Turbo. And he's just got something that no one else does. And when I, I always look at the Turbo-Teddy argument. And for me, Turbo's the better footballer. Teddy's the better fullback. And I think there's a big difference between the two of those.
1: Interesting, interesting take. So, yeah, we talked about, yeah, obviously you've compared Teddy and Turbo there and there is what would you say, obviously there's clear differences in the terms of you look at straight away look at them and the body types, but when I look at similarities between the best fullbacks, I think I believe they're the most well-rounded players in the game. Would you tend to agree with that? Yeah, for sure.
0: And this is where I think it comes back to that change that Carmichael Hunt made. He he made a change in the game where your fullback had to be able to play five-eight and fullback essentially. You had to be a second had to be a second ball player um, out the back there and it was a skill set that a lot of fullbacks didn't have they were handy but they weren't they weren't a second five8 like the guys are now and for, for me I think that's been the massive change and you're right they are they are they, they have to be more complete footballers now you can't just be really quick. You can't just be really strong. You have to be really quick, really strong. You have to be able to ball play. You have to have vision, which for me, the way the modern game is played out, you can do as many block plays as you want. Once you set up all your shape to the left, up, right, or the right sticks and you swing it back, whatever it is, the position you put your fullback in, if your fullback doesn't have the vision to be able to peel
1: off that last
0: play, it's completely pointless. It all comes down to vision for me.
1: No, for sure. And I think that when I hear vision and when I first saw him move into this role is definitely not what I, you know, the word I would have, you know, put next to him, but Latrell Mitchell's vision. yeah, oh. you know, obviously he's got the size and and then he's got the passing ability. The only one thing you could say about Latrell, when you talk about that ideal perfect fullback, is that supporting up the middle and maybe the meter gainage is the one thing, but I think when you have got such great talent around Latrell, you are able to make up for his limitations. But I've been really impressed with Latrell's uh, playmaking ability. Talking about limitations um, as well, like Dylan, Dylan Edwards is an interesting one because, look, I think when you think what's one way the Panthers could improve, you would say fallback. But I think he only lost one game last season. That was obviously the grand final. And when he's played this year, he's been great. Um, do you think him at fullback is going to is that going to hold them back at all or is does he bring so much, even though his passing limitations he brings so much of the other fundamentals that the Panthers will be able to survive
0: Mate, it's funny when you watch the Panthers and the way that they they run their shape. Like, they, they don't really use Dylan Edwards as much down that left edge. He sort of sits on the right edge where he's more comfortable. And they sort of let Jerome Luai, Matty Burton, Viliami that they, They've just got so much shape out on the left side that they almost get away with not having a fullback on that edge, which just sounds ridiculous. But Jerome yeah. Luai and these boys, they've just got such a combo that's... Just unreal, but oh, I always look at Dylan Edwards, and you know, like you you, you watch Tom Trebouich on the weekend against the, the New Zealand Warriors, and you say, oh, you know, that was a ten out of ten game. Now, does Dylan Edwards have a ten out of ten? He probably doesn't, but his worst games are a seven out of ten. His best yeah, games are probably an eight and a half. Yeah, mate, and that that's the thing. Like Dylan Edwards might not have the ten out of ten, the unbelievable highlights, the four try games, but. His teams tend to win. He gets a job done each and every week. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think people forget that when he first came into this competition, and everyone you know, everyone bags Matt, Matt Moylan now, but he was 24 years old. He was a kangaroo. He was already the captain of the Penrith Panthers, and they moved him out of fullback to play 5'8 because they had so much trust in this guy, Dylan Edwards, and he hasn't let them down in a single game since. He has just been unbelievable.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I completely agree and let's just before we move on to our wingers is there anyone that's currently not playing fullback that you believe should be playing fullback that kind of fits what we've just discussed
0: mate the the one that I've been talking about for a long time and I said it about I think it was two years ago it was when the Canberra Raiders were on that unbelievable run to the grand final I think it would have been 2019 and They were playing their prelim final in Canberra and the Rabbitohs were going down there and the Rabbitohs had just about run out of gas. And I sort of said, geez, I think they should move Cody Walker to fullback. Just change it up a little bit, throw some different shape. Um, at this Canberra Raiders side and I copped a heap of backlash for it. Absolute heap of backlash. And then two years later when the games got even faster and Cody Walker, he's got older, he moves to fullback and, you know, the other night was obviously a terrible example when they got dusted by 50 against Melbourne. But I've always thought Cody Walker, he's got fullback written all over him. I mean, he's always a guy, you know... uh, a two ball out on his left edge. And whenever he does hover over to that right edge, we're like, we've all seen those amazing plays that Adam Reynolds does where he sort of props, he squares up his man and he just sort of floats it into space for Cody Walker to come through and get. He's one guy that I've always thought got fullback written all over him for me.
1: Exactly. You give him more license to roam, yep. it's just going to cause more havoc for the defense, the more they have to worry about. So we'll transition to the winger now. Um, yeah. There's probably a lot of ways to look at the ideal winger, but um, do you have any kind of preferred winger you would like in your footy side would probably be the best way to frame this question?
0: Mate, honestly, for me, and it goes all the way down to my under-16 sides, it would go all the way to first grade for me. And you have your Raj Radras, you have your Vuna these guys are this unbelievable X factor about them, mate. I want my wingers to be reliable. That is honestly all I want them to be reliable. I want them to back their centre in defence. I don't want them to have brain explosions. And I just want them to time their run each and every time. And this is what I love about Brett Morris. And I think over the last year or two, people have started to realise just how good Brett Morris is. I mean, he scores all these tries. That's all anyone talks about. The way that Brett Morris defends and the way that he diffuses kicks has been second to none for, you know, 15-odd years now. I mean, you, you go back to that. That 2019 grand final against the Raiders, and you know everyone says why did Jack White get the Clive Churchill? I mean, if you go and watch his kicking game that night, it was unbelievable. He was dropping the ball thirty centimeters out from the try line every single play. If there was any other winger in history other than Brett Morris there, I think the Canberra Raiders would have got four or five re- repeat sets there instead of the Roosters always getting the ball back. I mean, I just think he's been unreal, Brett Morrison. <clears throat> One thing we always talk about with your wingers. And we just spoke about fullbacks, obviously, is your, is your pendulum. So that's when your fullback drops back. And then depending on where the ball's being kicked from, how far each winger drops back. And it's a pendulum of three that needs to be moving all game. And you just, you never see Brett Morris get caught out. You never see him too deep. You never see him up too close to the play of the ball where the ball hits the ground. I, I just think reliability is the most underrated skill as far as wingers goes in the modern game because we are just so desperate for all these highlights constantly if you can give me a winger that I know is going to give me 8 out of 10 every single week I'm stoked with that
1: interesting I, I agree like if there's any little you know anything that I want from winger um, yeah reliability is there like probably people might be expecting you to say like I want the athleticism of a Siever, I want the speed of it at a car but at the end of the day, you want them to make the 1% plays and just knowing whatever they have to do, you back them 100%. And I think Brett Myers is a good way of how the winger wing role has kind of changed over over time as well. He's been able to be, um, be a, come into the middle and support. Um, you, And also his skill set now, when he's chucked that fullback, I think he was the fullback when the Roosters absolutely spanked the Broncos last year. Yeah, He was centre in his... Potentially his last game of his career And was one of the best players on the field So it's because even though Yes he's a great finisher He's now developed all these other skills To help to his game as well um, And yeah Is anyone in particular You reckon should shift to a wing I've got one on the top of my head But I want to see um where you go with this one
0: uh, Mate off the top of my head I uh, The one guy that I would probably like to see um, that's playing center at the moment. And I think he's only there because of injuries and whatnot. But it definitely is Remus Smith. Uh, he's a guy that I think one in. He's nowhere near as effective. I mean, it was no shock the other day. Uh, we saw George Jennings go off the field. He jumped onto the wing. I think he scored three tries that game. He's always just been a out-and-out out winger for me. He's probably one guy I would love to see out there. Who, who were
1: you thinking of? Sarko. Jemona Saka for me I feel like he had a great game the other day at fullback um, but someone mentioned a really good point that I believe that the impact he made in that game he could still do it at winger to a degree or the skills The skills he showed he can still do it as a winger I do think we're seeing a little bit of an untapped thing with wingers too where they can become a second fullback I oh, like because and we, were kind of, we could move on to the centre shortly, obviously. But a lot of people were kind of screaming for Latrell, um, obviously, to go fullback. But I think maybe you've happened this before, where even though, or might not have been you, but even at centre, he can still shift round to the other side of the position. He can still roam round. Even though, yes, you're left centre, you should still have the licence to roam. And I feel like even though Asako, you know, will be placed in the wing, it doesn't mean that kind of holds him back from going in the middle and being more damaging as a ball runner there so he's one guy I reckon would s- suit that role quite well and I think
0: mate this goes back to a lot of what I talk about on my podcast is that people get stuck in these rigid ways of thinking of your wingers have to stay on the wings your centres have to stay on the in the centres I mean you saw Brad Fittler the way and we'll, we'll talk about centres in the moment but just an example the way he used Tom Turovich, uh, in Origin a couple of years ago and everyone absolutely shit themselves that he let a footballer play football and I just that, for, for me that, that just summed it up for me that people just we're just stuck in these ways of thinking and you know, like I, you know, they haven't done it in a while, of course, because they've been in all sorts. But over the last few years, I mean, Brisbane always used to have that play where they'd go to the left sticks, they'd swing to the right, and they would have Corey Oates, and he would swing all the way from his wing and sort of hit, hit that gap into the tram line. And it's those sort of things that I think they need to be doing more of it with all their players. I mean, you you occasionally during last year would see Stephen Crichton occasionally sort of float over to the right edge and have some impact there but I don't think players do it anywhere near enough. I don't think coaches do it anywhere near enough either.
1: Now, something that I always just because one of my favourite players of all time was Nathan Merritt because I love that he kind of just snuck in the middle. Um, yeah, essentially always did the same no matter what position his was. Fallback and winger, he was just supporting up the middle. and um, We'd better transition to centre and I want to touch on kind of more like this, having a specialist centre. We see a lot of times in Origin and Rep Footy, your centres are fullbacks um, fullbacks. Why do you think, let's just touch on the specialist centre and the fact that do you think we're seeing more? Are we can't Because last year I saw Castoni and Tony Staggs had a great year. Stephen Chrysler emerged. Um, Bradman Best, Zach Lomax. Do you think we're kind of seeing a rebirth of a, specialist centre, or do you think that's kind of a bit of a, yeah, maybe just a bit of an outlier? No, no, for,
0: for me, mate, we are definitely seeing, um, as you described it, a, a rebirth of the specialist centre. Uh, and look, for, for me, if you would have said to me 18 months ago, what's the most irrelevant position on the field, I would have said centre every day of the week. It was just becoming, th- th- like, you, were j- you you were just part of little set plays you would see. Once again, there was no creativity to it. There was no of the like for, 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 for me. I think two of the best pure centres I've ever seen, and they're in the same time, team. It was unbelievable. Was Matty Cooper and Mark Gasnier. I mean, the, the old ideal of you know, the better your centre is, the earlier you get them the ball that really died from probably 2010 till about 2019, and centres just became these robotic sort of fixtures just out stay in your corridor don't move away from that corridor if there's if you're going to find space we're going to create it for you and it's it's just not like that anymore i I love how these new rules what what these new rules have done have made it so tight around the center third everyone's pushing up through the center third that when you do get an opportunity to spread the ball there is just so much more room and you know this is something that that, the luke keery has done better than anyone over the last few years and it's a it's a really underrated skill of just being able to release the ball earlier and get your better players early ball. like, And that's what made Latrell Mitchell so good at the Roosters. Luke Keery understood my role here is to just get this Ferrari the ball with as much space between him and the defense as I possibly can. And he was able to absolutely wreak havoc. <clears throat> and I think these new rules, they have just created that even more. You've got all these strike centers now in the game that you know you had strike centers five years ago. It's not like... There was no centers playing rugby league five or six years ago, but it's these new rules that have created more space out on the edges, and I think the coaching has changed to be able to fit around these guys. I think it's really exciting to see because, for, for me, center like, if you would have said to me five years ago, what's your ideal center?" I would have said, I want someone that, that can defend. That's all I want, a good defender, because it's not that critical. Now, the game has changed. Like, some, some of the guys, as you mentioned, Stags. you've got Lomax, he's injured at the moment. We've got Stephen Crichton, you've got... Now, the, the, the other side of it now is you've got guys like Matty Burton that are shifting out there. You've got guys like Connor Tracy. Like, uh, like that just wouldn't have happened a couple of years ago. The position is changing, and it is becoming more and more. Every position is becoming more and more natural footballers. We're getting back to that nineteen ninety sort of brand of footy where guys like Jerome Luai, Tyrone Peachy, Cody Walker are, are able to dominate, and, and the center position, it's becoming exactly the same. It's really exciting to watch at the moment.
1: No, I, I completely agree it has been one of those positions I've taken extra care of kind of noticing the transition the Matt Burden thing has been sensational to watch and it's one of, one of those kind of topics I tend to think is that kind of an outlier or is that like a trend we'll see where yes you just see natural footballers take to centre or is that a of Panthers system thing because a few people have discussed the idea of drink water going to centre but I still think there kind of has to be a prerequisite in terms of like the body type and a few other little factors as well. Um, So is anyone in particular, and you can maybe touch on like a half that will transition to center that you think should be more suited in that position? Mate, uh, I, and and it's
0: sort of one thing we, we talk about someone being the exception or the example. And at the moment, Matty Burton is the exception. And to be honest with you, I, 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 I don't pretend to know everything. But I'm not sure if Matt Burton, if he is the exception or the example. I think what we've got to remember with him out on that left edge is that if you're a half that wanted to play center is there any better team to possibly do it in than the Penrith Panthers and on that left yep. edge? It just allows him to be a natural footballer. Um, I mean, as far as your question goes, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago when Wayne Bennett used to use Benji as a centre up in Brisbane. I remember sitting there going, what on earth? How could this possibly work? But, geez, it looked like – it looked good. It worked. He was pretty successful there. He wasn't an all-star centre, don't get me wrong. Man, um, it's an interesting one. I'm not. There's no one off the top of my head that I can think – right now as a guy that I would like to see there. I mean, I, I, I think one thing that is a possibility over the next few weeks, I wouldn't be shocked to see like a Reese Walsh end up at centre, and, and I think he would do pretty well there. Uh, you got your natural sort of footballers like the Melbourne halves, Munster and Jerome Hughes. I would never move him to the centre, but, geez, if you did, I'm pretty confident those two would handle themselves there. But uh, it's an interesting one. Off the top of my head, mate, there's no one else that really stands out for me, though, if I'm being honest with you. Jack Whiten, he's probably one, but he's already mm. played centre. Um, but yeah No no one that really stands out for me To be honest with you
1: Yeah true And it might be one of those things Where it's more Might come down to The opportunity arises For those halves When it comes origin time um, Like Michael Morgan Filled in there at half Obviously Jack Wyden's been there Clint Gufferson's gone The fullback to centre They've made it work And we'll go into the halves now And also the hooker So we're going to look at this Kind of as a combination Because I think A lot of who your six is depends on who your seven is but now even more so you probably have two halves that share a lot of similarities but make sure there's a balance and the number nine can make that balance work so in terms of a part as a kind of a trio yeah, what would be your ideal trio for the half hooker? Mate it
0: really depends on your coaching I think and it depends on the rest of your system I mean um, you know, up until five or six weeks ago, we all thought the Canberra Raiders, they were a top-shelf team. You watched them play footy last year. They were unreal. They had a running nine. They had a running seven, a running six. Um, and I, I'm not willing to say that that approach is outdated now because the Raiders aren't going well. I think there's a lot more to that. But I, I, I still think I would like to have more of a traditional halfback. I, I, I've said a long time, if, if, I'm, if I'm on grand final day and I've got to pick a halfback out of the current group, I go Adam Reynolds every day of the week. Uh, I think a kicking game is still as important as ever, if not more important. And just being able to control your sides and getting to the right spots on the field. I mean, you see these teams, they all set up for very similar plays, and it all comes down to how you split the defense, whether you get them. you know. Obviously, you have two markers. You have a fullback. There's your three players. It means you've got a 10-man spread across your line. It all depends how you split them, whether it's 4-6, 6-4, 7-3, wherever you want to land in whatever shape you want to throw at them. And It's your halfback that gets you into those positions. I look at South Sydney and... You know, as great as as Benji Marshall is, he isn't the same organizer as Adam Reynolds, and, and you could see a little bit of that the other night when they got slapped by Melbourne. I'm not saying it's all Adam Reynolds' fault because he wasn't there. They were missing a number of other troops, but a guy like Adam Reynolds, I think he is absolutely critical. Um, I've spoken about it a long time. I think the best hooker in the game is Harry Grant. I absolutely love this bloke. Uh, I think he's got so much to offer, and he's probably my ideal nine. I think hookers now they need fantastic ruck recognition. They need to be able to address when there's an opportunity when there's lazy markers. They need to be able to address who's at marker every single time. They need to get at certain players and make them jump into market two or three times. And this is what the really good nines do. And then when they do, when, when, when their ruck, when their ruck recognition does kick in, their instincts just go and they know to go straight away. I think it's one thing that Damien Cook he's probably been a little bit hesitant over the last. 18 months or so at the back end of last season, he really found it. But I mean, the way that the modern games play Damien Cook, he should be the best hooker in our game by a country mile. I'm not really sure what's going on there with him, but for, for me right now, it's Harry Grant. And look, it, it isn't really close for me.
1: So as you can see here, I'm a storm fan and I was just holding the brakes on calling Harry Grant, the best hook in the game, obviously after just only one proper season, but I'm I'm at the point now, and obviously he's only played about the half, you know, less than half the games this season. I'm ready and to anoint him that. And I kind of put this question in the outline I sent you: reactive dummy halves and running dummy dummy halves. I think you kind of described then what a reactive dummy half is, and I think for me that is Harry Grant, and I think. Harry, um, Damian Cook, like you said, he's got the ability to react, but sometimes I think is it yeah, is he more just a running half? He a lot of stuff happens when he runs the ball, or is he you know running because that is you know he's wrapped into what's happening? Um, which yeah, can be a bit a bit of a. Do you have a kind of a way to kind of get a bit of summarise of that of react a reactive player and a running kind of hooker?
0: Mate, uh, the, the one kid that I look at the moment that I think one day he is going to be a brilliant nine, he's just started his career, but it's the West Tigers, Jake Simkin. Now, as you describe it, a running and a reactive, I think right now, Simkin, he's a running nine. I don't think he really addresses the right moments to run. Another guy that I've always thought is a running nine, I wouldn't say he's a reactive nine, is uh, Danny Levi. Now, he's obviously been through a number of clubs. He is such a strong runner of the football from dummy half. He's unreal. But the moments that he picks to run is always a serious worry. Same as the Canterbury hooker. Um, Katoa, I've always thought very similar of him. I think it's a maturity thing, and, and that's what's so crazy about what Harry Grant's able to do. He's done it at such a young age. He's able to address a ruck in a split second and just know that this is the moment to go. He's got a perfect release. Like He, he understands the moments where he needs to make his eight metres and let the ball go, or whether he just needs to put his, his head down and go. And I think that's sometimes where Damien Cook gets a little bit hesitant. I, I remember talking to the... Um, the sprints coach Roger Fabry And he worked with him All off season Damien Cook And he said to me last year you, you, You're going to see A new Damien Cook At the end of the season And I thought well, What do you mean At the end of the season He goes Oh he's working He's working at it his, his, he, he called it his fly speed He said his fly speed Will be at top notch At the end of the season And you know I, I sort of put it In my back pocket And didn't really think much of it Cook didn't really Impress me much In the season Then I'm not sure If you remember But about three weeks Before the finals Kicked off last year Damien Cook Just started going 100. He was unreal for the last few weeks of last season. The South Sydney Rabbitohs just ran out of gas at the end in the prelim finals, a lot like they tend to do. But I find Damien Cook one of the most interesting players in this competition. I find it so hard to get a read on him. And I I, I guess part of it is because he doesn't have a massive forward pack in front of him. He's got a good forward pack that overachieves for me off the back of Wayne Bennett. But I think if you you were to put Damien Cook in this Melbourne Storm team, I think you would see a very different Damien Cook. Uh, and, I mean, you can see it, you know, eight times out of ten after Cam Murray runs, you can see Damien Cook, he starts to click into action. But they've only really got that one runner that really gets on the front foot, gets on their elbows and knees, gets a quick play of the ball. And I just think if South Sydney, if they were to do more favours with Damien Cook, which, you know, if they have Adam Reynolds leave this year, they're going to have a bit of money to spend. I would like to see them get some more of those explosive sort of forwards to work off, off the back of Damien Cook. I, I think it could be anything there.
1: Yeah. So I think a good way to summarize that is a lot of that that trio of your half and hooker kind of relies on the systems and the coaching you have in place and, yeah, the players you have around you. Um, we'll touch on now the middle forward. So we're talking about props and lock. Basically, I'm just giving you permission to go on your Jason Tamalolo rant and your Victor Radley stance as well. So, have it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: Oh mate, I, I just you know I, I always find it, it it funny with with this um, with the Victor Radley opinion. Now two years ago I said he's the best lock forward in the game, and everyone said, but Sam Malovo runs three hundred meters, he does this, he does that. I go, yeah, but if you watch the way the Roosters play, I mean, Cooper Cronk plays on the right side, Luke Kiry plays on the left, neither of them control the center third because Victor Radley does it all, and got laughed at for a very long time, and I find it amazing now. I see all these New South Wales teams picked. I see all these Kangaroos teams picked. They've all got Victor Radley at thirteen now. Victor Radley's playing the worst footy he's played in two and a half years right now. But it's all of a sudden become popular to get on the, the Victor Radley train. Um I I think that for though for them to win those two premierships, I mean, they won eighteen. They were I'm not sure if you remember, 2018, I mean, they started the season, they were very shaky. Um, Cooper Cronk was new. James Tedesco was new. Heap of new combinations. Around round 13, they, they, they pissed Isaac Liu off. They played Victor Radley at 13. And everything clicked into gear from that moment. No one seems to remember it. They win that premiership. They come back 2019. He was unreal. They win that premiership again. He was massive in that grand final. 2020, they come back. And as much as it didn't end well for the Roosters, I mean, if everyone remembers back to the first 12 rounds, no one was saying that the halfback, Kyle Flanagan, was shit. No one was saying he shouldn't be in there. No one was saying they were really missing Cooper Cronk. All of a sudden, Victor Radley goes down. The entire narrative changes. The entire narrative changed at that exact moment when Victor Radley went down. Uh, you, you, I mean, you, you've seen Jason Tamalolo. Yes, he puts up these unbelievable numbers, but could he not do exactly what he's doing in the front row? Could they not exactly. use? I mean, uh, with all due respect to the North Queensland Cowboys, Tamalolo, he runs for 300 metres. He does this. He does that. Amazing. No one's ever done it. <laughs> They don't win games of football. Simply do not win games of football. I mean, it's, just, it's been way too long up there without any success. You've apparently got the best forward in the world. Why aren't you winning games of football off the back of it? It seems to me that whenever I watch the North Queensland Cowboys, I mean, we, all tell, we all, everyone wants to tell me how good Tau Malolo is. And yes, he's amazing. Don't get me wrong. But then you also, in the same tendency tell me oh, it's too bad the Cowboys have the most boring attack in the world because you don't have a middle forward that can move the ball around. You've got a third front rower on the field. You're playing very vanilla. It's easy to read. And I understand there's a hangover from, from Jonathan Thurston, but the Cowboys did not help themselves in any way, shape, or form. They kept playing 2015 footy when you've got Cam Murray, Brandon Smith, Victor Radley, these sort of guys in the good teams that are always up the top. Like, I, I, it's taken a long time for people to open their eyes and realize, and it's sort of, it took these rule changes for everyone to realize because it changed the game. It sped it up, and it made everyone realize really quickly, hold on, you don't need as many front rowers on the field. You need more natural footballers. And this is sort of the theme we keep coming back to, isn't it?
1: Exactly. Like, putting Jason Tamalola at 13 prevents the Cowboys to add another element to their footy side, like we've talked about with the Radley. And obviously, you, there's not that many Radleys around in terms of the ball play, ball, ball playing, but you can find, you definitely find something. And also, to touch on Radley, I was really interested to listen to your podcast You say about your New South Wales um, lineup. Yep. Um, and if you're going to have Radley as 13. Because what I was interested, like you said, I haven't been extremely impressed with Radley. But what you've done, you had Yo as your 13. And I completely agree because it's not... And hopefully, footy fans are understanding this too. It's not Radley... It's more the style Radley plays And Yao is a version of what Radley brings He And also he's, he's reliable as well He brings it on the defensive end And he's got the subtle hands So he's able to add an extra dynamic So I hope people understand It's not just Radley, but it's actually just the, the player type in general. Um, and also the mob- just touch on quickly the mobility mobility of the 13s, like the Camaros as well. Billy Magulius is a guy that is, yes, he's got that ball playing. And yes, ideally he'd be a great 13 to have. But the thing I have with him is, is he going to be able to kind of bring enough in that mobile kind of movement as a 13 and, yeah, create enough um, havoc um, in his running game. So, yeah, do you have anything to say on probably anyone that you believe should be um, transitioned to a prop or transitioned to the loose four position?
0: Oh, mate, there, there, there's been a number of halves over the years that I've always thought could potentially go into that role. I always thought one, and <clears throat> in hindsight now, probably not a good idea, but I always thought one guy that would have made an unbelievable 13 would have been Mitch Pearce. Uh, the best part of his game is his running game. He's an excellent defender. For the for years there, he was floating around at the roosters wearing the seven and it was just a you know, it was twenty ten. Oh, he made it to a grand final. Yeah, okay. He had the Dalian medalist Todd Carney next to him, who was setting the world a light. 2013 he won the premiership. Yeah, okay. He had James Maloney standing next to him. Like for a long time there, Pierce, he couldn't really own his team. And arguably, you could you could tell me that potentially he still can't. He's a guy that I always thought Would have made an unreal um, lock forward. I also think before, obviously he's retired now, unfortunately, but I always thought Michael Morgan, he would have been a sensational lock forward. He's got leg speed, he's got ball skills, but he's never really been that structured sort of half. I think he'd be brilliant. Uh, The main guy I've been talking about since my page started was Tyrone Peachy. We're finally seeing him jump into 13, and I think we can see the impact he's having on the Gold Coast Titans. And it was even... It was even 10 weeks ago when I was naming my teams for this season. I had Peachy at 13 for the Titans. I had Tino on the bench and everyone blew up Deluxe. And I just couldn't understand why, what, 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 what is the problem with not having sort of Tino in your starting team? He's going to come on the front row rotation, but it allows it allows a guy like Tyron Peachy to roam around at 13. It's one thing that I've, I've just never understood how people don't see it in the modern game. Um, I, I think the next guy to move in there and the next guy to be successful is Jack Bird. Uh, he's been a natural 13 all of his life for me. He's just been stuck out at the centre, has been tried to make fullback money. I think he's got lock forward written all over him, Jack Bird. Once he's got confidence in his body, which it looks like he's starting to get it now, I would love to see Bird wearing the 13
1: jersey. Yeah, no, for sure. And Connor Watson's probably another one that fits that mould too. That's transitioned there this year. Um, we'll move along to the second rows and am probably keeping a bit too long, but we'll just get straight into kind of maybe, yeah, like we said to here, we're about – someone that could transition to the second row position now just probably focus on the prototypes that I feel are part of the game today Dave Fafita obviously you're rampaging can make just action from himself he doesn't need others to create fault for him you've got Boyd Tordner, who's a traditional second rower, runs great lines and is a tough player. And you've got the Wade Graham mould, who's essentially is a second playmaker at time. Um, so if there's anything, yeah, any particularly you want to touch on, on those those moulds as second rowers and anyone that you could see transition into this role as well.
0: Mate, oh, I think these three moulds are just about perfect. You have David Fafita, who's obviously your just your freak explosive sort of athlete hard to handle uh you know you put Kickow in his sort of category you put um probably like a Jordan Ricky on on the lower end of the scale there's a number of guys running around in our competition that are like this and I think in 10 years time this is going to be more normal because as, as you watch the junior grades now as you watch your Harold Matthews and everything you're your Boyd Cordner, your, your traditional sort of back rowers, they are a little bit of a dying breed as they are in, in your front row. We'll, we'll, we'll probably touch on that later, on, I guess, but um, or as we already have. But I think that that's, that old school sort of reliable sort of guy like Boyd Cordner, I do think it's a bit of a dying breed. They will always exist, no doubt about it. But I think your Cordners your Josh Jacksons, these sort of guys. I think they are a little bit of a dying breed. The Wade Graham one I absolutely love. I always think there'll be a place in the game for these guys, especially the way that the modern game is suited now to playing left and right and having so much shape sort of going at certain guys. And it's crazy, you know, like we talk about the David Fafita type, that explosive type. We talk about Wade Graham. I mean, it's probably a bit of a hot take, but Kick Owl, on the surface, he's the David Fafita type every day of the week, but... Mate, he's low-key also becoming a bit of a Wade Graham type. He can slip into shape. He can throw some brilliant passes out the back there. He's nowhere near as gifted as Wade Graham. Don't get me wrong. The Panthers are able to use him in shape, and he's able to make the passes that he needs to hit. Like, he is becoming
1: an absolute juggernaut out there with and without the ball. That's a great point. Like, obviously, yes, he's, you know, he's not Wade Graham, but he doesn't look... Yeah, they feel comfortable enough to use them in those situations. That's a really good point. Um, and probably brings me to a guy, particularly before we move on to the bench, Josh Schuster. Would you prefer to see him stay as a left edge second row or move in six? Because I think I would like to see him stay in the second row position, but I'm open to, you know, kind of um, move away from that fort.
0: Mate, for, for me, he's got to be five, eight. I, and look, I haven't okay. really seen him play, much second row until he's got to first grade. I didn't even realise he had played much second row before this. I'd only seen him play the games that I'd seen him play, which was at 5'8", and I just couldn't believe the amount of talent he had. I I think that it'll be fantastic for him long-term to understand probably the amount of work that your forwards put into. I think it's one thing that halves probably take for granted that they don't understand how hard their forwards are working through to get through a set, and then it all comes down to their kick. As you know, like... A good set, it can all of a sudden be a shit set with a bad kick. A bad set can turn into a great set with a good kick. Uh, and I, I, I think it's a really good education for halves to spend a bit of time in the forwards. Um, you know, a, a lot of the halfbacks that I talk to that have turned out to be good players that have come on my podcast always mention that you know their, their coaches just always force them to tackle with the forwards. I, you know, Brett Finch told me a story. They were down at Bondi Beach and they they were literally just tackling tackling each other in groups, and they would go your halves over here, your centers over here, your wingers over here, your front rowers, your second rowers. And Ricky Stewart would put Brett Finch with the front rowers every single time. And he said it just gave me an appreciation of how hard they work in there. Um, and I, I, I think it's going to be really good for Josh Schuster. But personally, I just think with his skill set, he's just got he's got some X factor that I, I think we're seeing little bits and pieces of it in the second row at the moment but I, I think I would like to see him with more time and more space and a bit more ability to be able to pick and choose where he goes at the moment he's sort of stranded down that corridor he gets the ball when other people want him to have the ball mate. if I've got a talent like Schuster I want him to touch the ball as much as he wants I want him to, as soon as he sees something there has to be a call where Josh Schuster is given the goddamn ball you don't mess around with it you just give him early ball I think he's going to be absolutely lethal, this kid. And I love Kieran Foran. I'm a huge fan of him. But, I I mean, we're not looking down the barrel of another four years of Kieran Foran, let's be perfectly honest here. Um, And I I think this kid will be the 5'8 after Foran. And I'm really excited about it. I understand your argument. I think he's done really well in the second row. But I think when people see his full skill set, when he's able to play six, I think they're going to be blown away.
1: No, great point. And it's probably one of those things still haven't seen, like, a tremendous amount of his footy, um still to this day. And obviously that come, you know, that sings true about him as a 5'8 And yeah, like you said, gives him more potential to, you know, have a impact on the game when he's at six. We'll move on to I think now it's a you know, it's a aspect of the game got used to get overlooked in the sense that there used to be the stigma attached where you're not good enough to make The starters. So that's why on your bench. Not always the case now. A lot of the times, you are actually just better suited to be on the bench because you've got the skill set and ability to impact the game. Let's just talk about like the bench, the ideal bench construction. Um, and I think, look, off the top of my head, Melbourne—a uh, great example of this. Um, I think there was the biggest, there was the biggest X factor over any other team um, last year, and why they ultimately won. So, yeah, I just want your thoughts on the ideal bench. Oh, mate, this is an argument I've been having online for way too long,
0: this stigma around bench players not being up to the standard of the guys in the starting team. It's just so outdated and ridiculous. And you only have to look at the Melbourne Storm last year. I mean, I'm sorry, they all these great players, Cameron Smith, best player ever, they don't win that premiership without Brandon Smith. They don't get close to winning that premiership without Brandon Smith. He was unreal through the centre third. I believe in the grand final, they also had Nico Hines on their bench and they didn't even use him. Uh, but he was there just in case, and I, I think that the way to, that a lot of these teams are using their bench at the moment, it is just so critical. It's more important than ever. And I mean, you look at you look at Ricky Stewart the other day. I mean, he he wanted to give Josh Papali a spell. He didn't drop him to the bench. He dropped him out of the team. And I think that's going kind of to be reality moving forward. You don't want to mess around with your bench rotation if you've worked out you know, how to use your bench properly, you you don't want to be screwing around with it. Like, oh, I I look at one guy and, you know, I, I'm, over, I'm always more headed towards, you know, the exciting utilities on your bench and these sort of guys. But I think one of the best players that's been coming off the bench in the competition for a long time has been Lindsay Collins. Now, unfortunately, he copped his injury the other day. We won't see him again this year, but he's another guy last year for the Roosters coming off the bench. He was unreal and... I, kept, I all I got was constant messages oh he should be starting he's good enough to be starting and it's like fuck you can play yeah. the first 25 minutes and the last 25 or you can play the 50 through the centre of the game does it change how many minutes you're playing whether you run on or not I, I just think it's ridiculous how we get stuck in once again these rigid ways of thinking this outdated way of looking at rugby league your bench more important than ever, and I mean in the modern game, if you if you go out and you lead 18-0 and you've got your best team on the field, all of a sudden your three best forwards come off the field, you bring on three numpties, you're going to be down 26-20 within 15 minutes in the modern game. You just can't afford to do it anymore. You Your, your bench guys, they need to be able to handle themselves. Not only handle themselves, they need to be able to take the game up to, an, to the next gear, and I think... That's what Melbourne have done better than anyone. I think that's what Penrith do as well. Sensational! They got um, Leeu and Leota who come on. You know they're unreal. They've also got, depending on who it is, you know, Kate Wall or um, at the moment it's the um, what's his name, Liam Martin. He does a sensational job. And then you've got all these utilities getting around the competition. Like I think Tyron May. I think he is so underrated. The ability he mm-hmm. has to come on and play any position you want and like the only position you probably wouldn't play him is front row but you've got Isaiah Yo, you've got William Kiko, if you were desperate you could shift these guys up into the middle so Tyrone May, he essentially covers every position on the field and this is a guy, I, I think he is so underrated, I think he's so critical to what they do he's probably been overshadowed a little bit by Matty Burton, he, he sort of jumped in front of him I mean Tyrone May was coming on to play centre to play back row last year and their shape and their structures—it didn't change at all. And at times, it gave them a little bit extra, didn't it? It was unreal.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's, and go back to like forwards come off the bench. Like, would you rather having your most damaging forwards run at a a forward pack that have just gone the field or that have paid 20, 30 minutes, making twenty odd tackles by that point and running up and down, back and forth? Yeah. It's just. I think there's just a way that this has to be, um, yeah, a process that we're still seeing and teams will, you know, click onto it. And obviously in Origin, um, we'll just quickly touch on that. We see interesting kind of beaches now constructed and one that caught me say, off guard but was an interesting one was the New South Wales 4PAT uh, bench in game two. When they had three... Loose forwards I think they had Nathan Brown They had Dale Nukin, And they had Isaiah yeah, So that's kind of Even though they're not Utilities But it's basically Kind of combined That's like Two utilities Kind of um, what When you saw that Lock forward Combination What were your first Thoughts on that And do you think It's an effective one
0: Mate oh, I think it can be effective I think that game too Last year uh, We spoke earlier About the exception Of the example I mean New South Wales—they were just on the front foot the entire time. Like they essentially won that game before their bench even entered the arena. I think a lot of those guys they picked there were—they're um, they're guys that you know they obviously are versatile. They can play as middle forwards, which is what a lot of them did. But I also think moving forward, I think the days of having utility and three front rowers—I think they are well and truly gone, Um, I think there's going to be it's going to get worse. Sorry, not not worse. I think they're going to become more irrelevant as the game is on. Of course, I think the once the players get used to the speed that we're at right now, eventually we're going to get to a point where this is going to be the normal. At the moment, it's not. Eventually, it will be, and then we'll go. Okay, how can we make this more entertaining? Eventually, the interchange will drop to six. All of a sudden, your forwards, your front rowers, they are going to have to be fit as a fiddle. This is where. You guys like Payne Haas that can do 60, 70, 80 minutes. They're going to have to be the norm. And it's going to have to be the standard that these younger kids are trying to strive to now. And, you know, the more and more I look at it, uh, you know, I remember after Origin 3 last year, James Tedesco got injured um, and everyone said, why wasn't Pappy on the bench, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's an easy one in hindsight. But I think moving forward and the way these modern rules are playing, you need a quick nippy fella who's able to come onto mm-hmm. the uh, onto the field and just cause havoc. I mean, I'm looking at this Queensland team right now, and as a New South Wales fan, I am shitting myself that they're going to pick AJ Brimson at 14. Everyone's saying, nah, it'll be Ben Hunt or Reid Mahoney. I'm going, fucking beautiful. Please pick one of those, because the last thing I want in the 30th minute is AJ Brimson to come into the field and sniff around the middle. If I was a Queensland fan, the last thing I'd want is for Ryan Pappenhausen to enter the fray in the 30th minute. Um, the the amount of tired bodies that are getting around at the moment. And yeah. I, it, it's funny over the last few weeks, the amount of messages I got in the first five weeks from people saying, oh, can you believe Connor Watson's on the bench? And I think, I think people were expecting me to blow up and go, oh, he should be wearing starting 13. Cause it's what I've been saying for a long time, but it's not about the Jersey on your back or where you start. It's the role that you play.
1: You're right? Yeah.
0: And for Connor Watson, I mean, that's exactly how I would use Connor Watson He would come on against tired bodies and wreak havoc, and that's what he's been doing. You look at what Melbourne's doing with Harry Grant at the moment. I mean, it's genius. I I don't like it personally because I want to see Harry Grant play 80 minutes. I'm selfish like that, but but the way it works right now with Brandon Smith, he goes through the first 20 minutes of belt and bash. That is Brandon Smith. That's his, that's his bread and butter. Then you put Harry Grant on his ruck recognition kicks in. There's tired bodies everywhere. Melbourne are normally on top. If they're not there, they're just even with their opposition. And then Harry Grant's able to take over. And then it's been worth working perfectly for them. Your bench rotation is more important than ever right now. And the best coaches,
1: they understand that. Nah, hundred percent agree. Um, and that's basically us I really appreciate you coming on today Nathan um, just probably some if you've got any final thoughts on you know the position, positional kind of preference today and also just roster construction in general I'll let you have it but yeah if not thank you very much for having uh, for coming on today Nathan I really appreciate it
0: yeah no mate I think we've covered just about everything that was, that was really good I'll make sure that I post this on my podcast as well chuck it up on my page mate uh Get you as many followers as as many listeners as, as we possibly can, mate. You're doing fantastic things.
1: Hey, it's not about the followers, but hey, they they go a long way. The more the more community you can kind of build off this, um, the more fun I I have doing this. So yeah, really appreciate it, guys. And um, yeah, I'll catch you guys all next week. And yeah, have a good week, team.
0: Just reminder that was Luke from the Rugby League Lounge. Make sure you go on Instagram, Facebook. Go on your podcast, make sure you support what he's doing. Always good to support other creators in the Rugby League community, all doing fantastic things, and I know Luke, he's doing brilliant things. He's a champion bloke as well, so make sure you get around him and support him. If there's anyone else out there with their own podcast or whatever that would like me to come on for a chat, more than happy to come on and talk some footy. Always willing to grow our community and uh, get new people involved. I think it's fantastic. Have a cracking day, guys. Make sure you go check me out at the Rugby League Lounge. Luke's doing great things.